just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Now, yesterday I told you that I would be recording a second podcast with Ed. And we sat down and did that podcast, but unfortunately, for some reason, it didn't record. And that was sad because it was probably the greatest podcast that was ever recorded, but we'll never know that. I did everything I could to find something to blame it on, somebody else to blame it on. But as I dug deeper, I realized, nope, I just fucked up. So I apologize for that. That said, Ed and I will record another podcast today, and you will hear it later on in the afternoon, probably. So we got that squared away. And of course, whenever we do the podcast, I'm always asking for people to send emails or voicemails. You can send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or a voicemail by going to anchor.fm and finding the Rational Boomer podcast. There you can leave a voicemail. No voicemails today, but I've got two emails. So let's get to it. First one starts out, greets, Mike. I've never heard that salutation or whatever you want to call it, but I'll take it. Greets, Mike. I agree with your strategy to root for the incumbent Retrumplican in the upcoming primaries. I would go one step further. If the Dems can consolidate behind one candidate instead of having a Bernie-Hillary situation, then Dems should actually vote for the extremist Retrumplican, helping them to be the chosen one, then kick their asses in November. You can do this in states with open primaries. It's more complicated otherwise, like switching parties, etc. And she sent me a map, which I can't show you here, is how different states have different possibilities. There are open states where anybody can vote for anything. There are states when you have to vote with your party, and there's another option, and I don't know what that is. But I appreciate the suggestion, and that's not a bad idea. That email comes to us from Moon Mama. She's written before, and I appreciate you reaching out, Moon Mama. The next email says, Hey, Mike, I'd like to touch on two topics, if I may. Why, certainly. Number one, it's easy to understand why we have immature and juvenile representatives in Congress. All you need to do is listen to their voters. I've attached a TikTok video clip of some of these folks being interviewed. This should tell you all you need to know about them and the people they choose to represent them. Now, he did give me a TikTok, and I can't give you that uh, link either. But this is a TikTok I'd seen before and talked about, but it uh, bears repeating. This was out at a Donald Trump rally, and a reporter was talking to a couple of women who were at the rally. And uh, they were trying to explain how Joe Biden's not even alive. What we're seeing on television isn't Joe Biden. It's somebody wearing a mask. In fact, one of them said, you know that time when Joe Biden was walking up the stairs to the airplane and he tripped a couple times? Yeah, that was Jim Carrey just being silly. Oh, Jesus, I had no idea. She also said that James Woods sometimes impersonates Joe Biden. 
which is weird because James Woods is a crazy fucking right radical Republican Trump humper. Jim Carrey, on the other hand, leans the other way. Why would you have people with two different ideas and interest in the Democratic Party being the people that are impersonating the president of the United States? Well, of course, this is ridiculous. This is fucking stupid. And this is the crazy shit we hear from these people. So I appreciate uh, you sending that clip. Uh, I have seen it, but God damn it, it's <laughs> it's worth watching again. And it's just ridiculous. All right, the second issue is a little more complicated. Good, some complication in my life. This deals with the human species' inability to learn from their mistakes. I like where this is going. We had World War II when Germany, Italy, and Japan were pariah nations. Millions died essentially to placate some dumb fuck's ego, say Hitler, Mussolini, Hirohito. Some 75 years later, these former leaders are just footnotes in history, and those same countries are now our closest allies and trading partners. Vietnam, 58,000 people died, 58,000 Americans, and it's estimated that over 3 million Vietnamese died in that fucked up war. Some 45 years later, they are too our ally and trading partner. Today we have this war in Ukraine. People on both sides are dying over stupid shit, but mostly to placate some nutjob's ego. In 30 to 40 years from today, Putin will also be a footnote in history, and Ukraine and Russia will probably be on good terms and trading partners. Not sure why we find it necessary to go through these periods where killing people becomes an acceptable practice. History is replete with wars, death, and destruction to only later find that the former combatants are now working together to achieve mutually beneficial goals. We know how this is going to turn out in the long run. There are no surprises. I don't understand why we can't skip the killing part and find common ground where possible. And if you don't want to do business with Cuba, that's okay, but we don't have to kill them. I'm of the belief that it doesn't have to be this way. What are your thoughts? And thank you for allowing me to share mine. Bruce. Well, you're absolutely right. Wars are fucking stupid because you throw a couple decades after the fact and everything changes. I mean, we fucking nuked Japan and now they're our buddies. Now we're trading partners with them. Germany, too. We were going head to head with them. In World War II, in Vietnam, in uh, the 60s and 70s, they were our enemy. We bolted the fuck out of there. We lost that war, and the North Vietnamese took over. But somehow, we are still buddies and trading partners. It does seem kind of inefficient, you know. You have to go head-to-head and fight and go through this war, and then later you shake hands and become buddies. The unfortunate part is that there's a lot of dead bodies left behind. Now, Bruce is asking, why are we doing this? Why does this happen? And I'll tell you why, in my opinion. In my opinion, you just take that for what it's worth. In my opinion, it happens because of fucking crazy-ass individuals egomaniacs, people that are bullies and want power and money. It has nothing to do with the uh, 
humans that might be involved. They're more than willing to sacrifice humans in order for their own benefit, to enrich their own lives. We're seeing that with Donald Trump. We see that with Vladimir Putin. We see that with Kim Jong-un. It's just all about them. The biggest problem here is that the people that bring these folks to powers, for whatever reason, can't see it. They get caught up in all the rhetoric and all the bullshit, and they start supporting a guy who they think represents what they think. But they don't really know what this guy thinks. They only know what this guy wants them to think. And they're too stupid to see it otherwise. I mean, Germany is a good country. The people of Germany are good people. But when the Nazis were running through that area, you had the people that were supporting the Nazis and the people that kept their mouth shut because they were afraid. Now, I get that. But without people speaking up and pushing back, these people are allowed to run roughshod, go rogue on their own countries. It is kind of silly. And that's one thing I've been hoping about with the Russian uh, people. We like to presume that the Russian people are good people, and for all intents and purposes, they probably are. The problem is, same problem we have with Republicans in this country. The information they get is inaccurate. It's lies. It's bullshit. And it's the only information they get, so they don't know any better. As far as they know, in Ukraine it is full of Nazis, and they attacked Russia, which we all know in the rest of the world that that is bullshit. That did not happen and uh, would never happen. And there aren't Nazis in Ukraine. So we have a couple of problems here. few problems, actually. We have... Uh, psychopaths running countries to benefit themselves. We have media outlets that are more than happy to feed propaganda as opposed to the truth. And then we have people who listen to that and don't think of any other options. They just take what they hear uh, in hand and they go with it. So it's all about uh, communication, I think. I think the media is the bad part there. Because these people, if they knew what these leaders were really like, certainly they wouldn't follow them. Certainly they wouldn't come to power. So the frightening thing about this is we see it in Russia. We saw it in Germany. We saw it in Japan. But now we're seeing it in America. We're seeing a leader like Donald Trump or some of the people in Congress that follow Trump. We're seeing the media like Fox, OAN, Newsmax, spewing out bullshit and conspiracy theories and not giving people the right information. And for whatever reason, these people are unwilling to look at the whole picture. They just want to hear what they want to hear from their media outlets. Unfortunately, it's all lies. It's all bullshit. And they still get sucked into it. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed here. Somehow we got to keep the fucking crazy-ass nuts out of power. And somehow we've got to get the regular people who bring these people to power better informed, better communication, so they understand exactly what is true, not as what not what they're supposed to hear. It's a problem that may or may not be able to be fixed. I would hope you would, and I don't know what that fix would be. But there's got to always be hope. You can't go into anything assuming that you're going to lose. you got to assume you're going to win. And I'm hoping 
with what's going on now in the uh, United States with some of this evidence of the insurrection and some of these other things that people will be more informed. And I'm going to talk about that um, very shortly. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, But next thing I wanted to bring up is we're hearing that the Biden administration, we know they put a pause on the student loan payments. They've done it three times. They've extended it. It now goes through the end of August, I believe. Now, they probably wanted to get to this issue before now, but there's been so many other issues that had higher priority, they just couldn't get to it. So they kept pushing it back. They keep putting it on the back burner until they got done with stupid things like COVID, like the Ukrainian war and all this stuff. But now Joe Biden is saying that he is going to make an announcement on this in the next couple of weeks. Now, progressives want Biden to forgive $50,000 of loan money on all federally funded student loans. Biden has said, I'm feeling more like 10000 Now, the reason this is coming up now is, well, really two reasons. Democrats are having difficulty getting things passed, well, because Republicans are obstructionists. They're trying to stop anything that Democrats do, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. They just want to own the Democrats. And I'll be honest, if the the roles were changed, Democrats would probably do the same thing. The bottom line is, when they do that, then the general public, the middle class, the country as a whole, doesn't get served by the people who are in power and have been elected and are being paid to, in fact, serve us. So what value are they if they aren't doing their fucking job? Number two, Biden needs to do something to improve his position in the polls and something to get the young vote. They've tried to pass Build Back Better, and that wasn't going to go because of Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema. Uh, They did get the infrastructure bill. They got the COVID relief bill. But, of course, we know people forget shit. I mean, people get sent $1,400, $2,800. It makes the economy boom. But you put it ahead a couple of years, and they, they don't remember it. It's like that old Janet Jackson song. What have you done for me lately? And that's what Joe Biden is dealing with. So now he's feeling the pressure because we're just seven months away from November, which is the midterms, and he doesn't want to see the House and the Senate taken over by the Republicans. Because at that point, then the final two years of his term are a waste. I mean, even if they have to, even if he's in a position with plenty of time where he has to, uh, appoint a new Supreme Court justice, you know the Republicans are going to do everything they can to stop it up and obstruct it. So this midterm is absolutely crucial to the rest of Biden's term. He needs the House and Senate on his side, and he needs it with bigger majorities than what he has now. I mean, with a 50-50 Senate, you see the problems we're having with Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema. For all intents and purposes, we should be able to pass things in the Senate with no problem with a 50-50 split Democrat and Republican, and then Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker, who is the Democratic vice president. 
doesn't work that way because we've got a couple of Democrats who often side with Republicans, and uh, they're no help to us at all. So people are concerned that Dems won't be able to get this student loan forgiveness passed through the Senate with the likes of Manchin and Cinema. Don't be surprised if Biden does this with an executive order. They don't have the time to dick around with this. Remember Build Back Better, how long that took. We're going to negotiate. We're going to do this. We're going to try to do something with bipartisans. That never worked. They sat and negotiated with Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, and when it came down to it, they did fucking nothing. So it makes no sense to try to run this through the system, through the House of Representatives, which it would probably pass, and then through the Senate, because Manchin and Cinema are going to stop it. The Republicans won't vote for it. So the only option he really has is to use an executive order. Now, that's not the preferred way to do it. The preferred way to do it is going through Congress and going through the process. But if we remember back to the Trump administration, all he did was executive order after executive order after executive order. Now, while it may not look as good by doing it with an executive order, at least you'll come up with something. You'll catch the attention of the millennials and the Gen Zers who are going to be saddled with all this debt. And uh, Joe Biden's feeling that now. He's feeling that pressure with the poll numbers as bad as they are. And he really needs to have a win in the midterm. So it's a question of whether what he's going to do. Is he going to go with the $50,000 forgiveness or is he going to stick to $10,000? Or are they going to negotiate somewhere in between? My guess is the latter. They'll probably... uh, negotiate somewhere between $10,000 and $50,000. I got to be honest, I've not been impressed with Biden's attitude about this. He's acting more like a centrist when he's done all these other things that are more farther left. This may be his past history because when he was a senator, he was more of a center Democrat than he was a far left Democrat. That doesn't make him bad, but it's hard to get things done when you get people like Biden, Manchin, or Cinema siding with the Republicans. Now, for me, I'd like to see him forgive all $50,000. I mean, we saw what happened when we had the COVID relief bill. We gave people 1400 then then another 1400 And just that did wonders for the economy, and it did wonders for the people. I've said this before, if you're going to invest money, invest it in the most valuable part of your portfolio. Invest it in the most productive part of your portfolio. And I've always said that's the middle class because they send the bulk of the taxes. That's much better. And obviously we've been shown that it works as opposed to giving it to rich people who don't pay taxes and you get nothing in return. Now, I get a lot of kickback about this. People are always saying to me, well, I paid my uh, student loans. My kids paid their student loans. Why should I have to pay it now these punk kids don't have to pay it? You know, and that's a valid, that's a valid complaint. But you're looking 
too small in this situation. You're not looking past the end of your nose. When you're dealing with politics and money and policies and bills and all that sort of thing, you really need to look at the big picture. You know what I mean? You got to see the big fucking picture. Now, we boomers may be in good shape. We have our houses. We have our cars. We have guaranteed money and pensions and Social Security and those sorts of things. So none of that is probably going to affect us, whether he forgives the loans or he doesn't. But you have to think ahead. We are older now, and at some point, we're going to have to sell our houses. And we want to sell them for as much as we can get because it's going to have a bearing on how we live our life in our retirement years. Now, if you've got young people out there like millennials or Gen Zers that are the people that are going to be buying the houses, starting their families, and doing what they're doing, you can't have them saddled with this huge debt. They're enslaved to this debt. The amount of money that is being charged to kids to go to college is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But if they have this huge debt, they either can't afford to buy a new house or they can't qualify to buy a house. You got $100,000 in debt, you're making fifty grand a year, you're not going to qualify for a house. So what does that do to the boomers and the Gen Xers? When we need to sell our houses to make money to help us with our retirement, there's not going to be enough buyers. And what's that going to do to the value of your house? It's going to drop it. So you can complain all you want about not uh, forgiving student loans because you paid your student loans, but you're not thinking ahead. This may cost you down the road. The other thing it's going to do is it's going to make it harder for these kids to buy cars, uh, have discretionary money to do fun things like trips and those sorts of things. And if that happens, then the economy's fucked. You've got a bunch of people that can't afford anything, and the economy goes to shit. So I hope against hope that uh, Joe Biden does, in fact, forgive a fair chunk of money. It's going to boost the economy. It's going to give these kids more discretionary money, which means they will buy more things, cars, boats, cabins, whatever. And all of that feeds into our economy. That makes our economy better. We're talking about if they they forgave all the loans, all the loans, it would be $1.7 trillion. That's a lot of money. That's a crazy amount of money. That's a lot of money to add to our debt. But think about it. We've got almost $800 billion going to the Defense Department. Russia's uh, budget for, for defense is $60 billion. We've got $2 trillion going to the rich people where we get nothing in return. Nobody complains about those things. Nobody says we can't afford those things. It's just a rubber stamp and they send the money. But when it comes to us, it's a different story. We know that. But if they can send $2 trillion to rich people with getting nothing in return, they can improve the economy, give a brighter future to our kids and to our country by spending a trillion dollars or whatever the fuck it is. Because they're not going to forgive all of it. They're going to forgive part of it. So I think they really need to do this, and I hope that Joe Biden understands this and he does what's right. 
And if he does anything at all, it's going to help him get votes from millennials and Gen Zers. And let's be perfectly honest. We've got people in those age ranges that are confused, maybe not as experienced in politics, maybe don't even normally vote. We need to do something to inspire them to vote because they are the future. And they are the ones that are going to take us out from underneath the clutches of the Republican fucking party. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, this is kind of a disturbing story. Trump supporters have breached U.S. voting systems while looking for fraud that doesn't exist. About 18 months, that's where we're at now, after Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden in the 2020 election, Trump supporters are still falsely claiming that compromised balloting machines across the country stole the election from Donald Trump. We not only hear uh, voters saying that, Trump LaFucks, but we're seeing it from our Congress. We're seeing it from governors, state senators, state representatives. It's really kind of a pandemic in its own right of people trying to claim that this was a stolen election when, in fact, it's not. But while this is going on, there are still people trying to attempt to game the system, to try to prove something that doesn't exist. And it's kind of troubling to find out the things they're doing. There's a video from a place called Cross Village Township that shows three men attempting to clone the voting machine while they were allegedly searching for evidence of fraud. For some reason, they're getting access to these machines, and they are either copying the machines for whatever reason, or they're trying to adjust the machines. Not to find fraud, but to affect it in the next election. And this is the one thing we're hearing a lot about how the Republicans are already trying to game the election for 2024, maybe even 2022. Now, there was uh, a place called Kiowa, Colorado, in Elbert County, where there's video of Elbert County clerk Dallas Schroeder. He was a top election official in Elbert County. Now, what the video shows that he was fiddling around with cables on the machine and typing on his phone. Clearly, he was doing something other than trying to find fraud. And he was copying hard drives of the machines. This guy is currently under investigation for possible violations of election laws. Now, here's the crazy thing. Here's a guy that's in charge of running the elections, in charge of making sure these are fair elections. But instead, he's trying to figure out a way to set this up to either show election fraud that doesn't exist or try to fix it so they can control the election the next time around. These are people that are sworn to do a job to protect our democracy, to protect our Constitution, and make sure these elections are run properly. But these are the fucks that are going in and trying to fuck with the system. 
there was at least eight other attempts to gain unauthorized access to voting machines across five states. Now, a lot of them were small towns, and, and a lot of them really wouldn't have that much impact on a presidential election. That said, if this is going on in these smaller towns or communities, it's feasible to think that it's going on in the larger communities. They just haven't been caught as yet. They're maybe a little slicker, a little better at being criminals. But this is really troubling. I mean, the one thing you should be able to trust in this country are our elections being free and fair. As much as they want to tell us that the last election in 2020 was stolen, and it wasn't, they are trying to do better next time around, whether that be 2022 or 2024. We have all these new laws going into effect in various states. We have the voter suppression laws. These people are trying to do everything they can to hold on to power because they see it slipping away. They see it slipping away because they're old white men, old racist, old misogynist, uh, narcissistic pieces of shit. They understand we're getting more people of color in this country. They understand that our country is becoming younger and these people don't trust the Republicans. So they know at some point they're going to lose. At some point they're going to get kicked out of the door. But they're trying to hold on as long as they can. Now, what's interesting about this story, this ties in with Mike Lindell, the pillow guy. His recent efforts were to get all of the voting machines out of commission and replace them with some system he has access to. Isn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? I mean, here's a guy who, like his best buddy Donald Trump, is a fucker, fucking grifter from the uh, first degree. And he's saying, all these voting machines are bad and we're going to replace them with good ones. Our voting machines. i got to be honest with you, if Mike Lindell's involved with um, selling more voting systems, he's not the guy I want to do it. He's been nothing but stupid and a failure since he started this whole process. Maybe he's trying to figure out a way to make some money to pay off the uh, lawsuit he has with Dominion, which is $1.6 billion. And if he can prove that these machines are bad, well, maybe he'll win his case. Well, he's not going to prove they're bad. They've been highly scrutinized at this point. There is no trouble. There is no problem. And what I don't understand when they complain about the voting machines, it's as if somebody came in from the Internet and somehow hacked it to make it look like Biden won or whatever. But the thing about it is these voting machines aren't connected to the Internet. There'd be no reason for them to be connected. They are there for one reason. Somebody fills out a ballot, you shove it in the machine, it counts it. That's all there is. There is no Internet intervention in these machines. But yet they're so stupid they keep using this as an excuse. I don't know why they don't just get shut down right away because what they're stating clearly shows they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're fucking ignorant. They're stupid. They just don't know what's going on. Now, Mike Lindell, of course, is always one for a good quote. <laughs> I guess it's a matter of what you think is good. And this is what he said. We've got to get rid of the machines, exclamation point. 
we need to melt them down and use them for prison bars and put everyone in prison that was involved with these machines. Sounds like something an eighth grader would say, and that makes sense because Mike Lindell is dumb as fuck. As I've said before, his headquarters is just down the road from me. I always feel tempted to go there and do a TikTok from there or try to get to talk to Mike Lindell, but I don't think he's ever there. I would love to talk to Mike Lindell, though, and uh, ask him some hard questions. He wouldn't like it, of course, but uh, like I said, I'm all about pissing people off. That's kind of my fucking hobby. So we've got a lot of problems going on. We've got the Republicans doing everything they can to game the system for 2022 and 2024, and that is troubling. All we want is fair and free elections. But apparently the Republicans, at all levels, from the state all the way up to the federal level, don't want that. And that is a problem for us. The best thing we can do in order to fight against this is have a huge turnout. We need those Gen Zers and the Millennials to turn out in full force. We need the Boomers and the Gen Xers to turn out in full force. Bury them in votes so they can't even try to play their games. The only time they really have a chance to pull something off is if the election is close. So it's incumbent on us to make sure the elections aren't close, that the Democrats win handily. So it's going to be much more difficult for them to claim election fraud or those sorts of things. And I think coming up to the midterm elections here with the Rational Boomer podcast on TikTok and all of you, we should be pumping the hell out of getting people out to vote. There's only one way to get people out to vote. Scare the fuck out of them. And I don't mean talking about things just to scare them that are untrue. Let people know the facts. Let people know what's at stake. And once they hear it, maybe they'll react like they did in 2020 when they all voted against Donald Trump. 81 million votes for Joe Biden. The greatest amount of votes for any president in history. We need to make the midterms just as impactful We need to have an unprecedented turnout of Democrats in the midterms if we have any hopes of saving our democracy. That sounds hysterical, I know. It sounds like I'm I'm making threats that uh, are just trying to entice people to do it. But you and I both know this. We know our democracy is at risk right now. And we, the people, everybody says, what can I do? What can I do? I'm just a guy. Well, if you're just a guy and a gal, all you have to do is get off your ass on election day and vote and get everybody else you know to vote. You want to know what to do? Well, that's what you fucking do. All right, let's talk about Russia. And and we're not talking about the war per se, but this is effects from the war. Russia has announced that it is cutting off natural gas exports to Poland and Bulgaria. Now, they're doing this because these countries are refusing to pay Russia in rubles. See, Russia needs to do this because of the sanctions and the the difficulty they have in using the U.S. dollar. They're trying to be the tough guys. You can buy from us, but you've got to pay in rubles. 
which seems weird to me because the rubles aren't worth a shit. So what are they doing? They're pulling up in semi-trucks full of rubles? What what the fuck are you going to do with that? Now, here here's the thing about this. Vladimir Putin, like Ron DeSantis and the Disney thing, aren't really thinking this out. Because what this could do is accelerate the European Union's transition away from Russian energy. Now, the EU gets a lot of energy from Russia, and it's because of proximity. It's right there. They've got the pipelines. It can be easily delivered. If you don't use those pipelines and you have to use ships from other countries, you know, deliveries that might take days or weeks will now take months and months and months, and that will have an effect on the cost of energy and uh, how it's working in the EU. So it is a little problematic when they say, look, we're going to stop sending you fuel. But the fact of the matter is Russia is trying to play tough guy, bully, attempting to get these countries to back down, to show that they, they are acquiescing to Russia. But the fact of the matter is, is that Russia may be cutting off its nose to spite its face. Now, this could raise the energy prices in the EU. That's true. It could also raise prices in various parts of the world, including the U.S. That said, it's going to be a big hit on Russia, too. See, their economy is based on selling oil. That's really all they have to sell. So their economy is all about oil. If they start selling less oil, that's not going to help the Russian economy. You factor in all the sanctions, and frankly, their economy is a fucking disaster. They, they aren't going to win this one. But this is so typical of Republicans. We saw it with Putin in Ukraine. We've seen it with Donald Trump. We've seen it with Republicans. They're bullies, so they make a threat. And their hope against hope is that people will back off when they make that threat. But if they don't, they're not smart enough to step back. What they do is they make a bigger threat. And when that doesn't work, they make a bigger threat. And when that doesn't work, they make a bigger threat. And they always come crashing down because they've got somebody that's not willing to back off. And that is their whole strategy in being the bully. Now, what's going to happen is these people are already having to uh, find other sources because they just don't want to deal with with Russia. You know, other countries like Germany, which is bigger, uh, they haven't done anything like this yet, but they're working on it. The goal is to get other sources. And that's not going to be easy because, I said, the logistics of it all is going to make it tougher for getting the oil to where it needs to go to. But they will figure out something. They will find other options for sources for oil. And here's the ultimate problem for Russia. Once they find those alternate sources, Russia's never going to get them back. Even after the war is done and Vladimir Putin is gone, these people are going to be locked into where they're at. They're not going to go back with Russia. If for no other reason, they can't trust Russia. If Russia is going to shut them off or 
everybody else is going to leave them because of the crazy shit they do. They aren't going to want to go back to that and risk that and go through the whole process again. It's just not going to happen. So this is a huge risk for Russia. They, uh, they count a lot on oil for their economy. The sanctions are killing them. And, of course, um, the loss in sales of oil is going to destroy them. But Vladimir Putin is so egotistical, so arrogant, that he's willing to risk his entire country so he doesn't look bad. goes back to what we were talking about before. The problem here is that people are uninformed and they put people like Vladimir Putin in power. And then ultimately, they suffer for it. Because that's really who's going to suffer. Vladimir Putin has a lot of money. Unless he gets kicked out or killed or whatever, which is distinctly possible, he's not going to suffer. But the people of the country are going to suffer. People are losing jobs. Their money is worth less. And and, uh, they're standing in lines to get food. It's bad now. But in the next couple of months, it's going to get horrific. And then you're going to see the uh, the Russian people standing up and pushing back. They should have done this a while ago. But, of course, they're being misinformed by the uh, propaganda that... Vladimir Putin is thrown around. We'll see what happens with that. Oil prices will go up and they will go down. I've seen it in both directions here. I'm not sure what to think of it. The oil prices aren't good. But the important thing to remember is everybody wants to blame Joe Biden for these oil prices. He's not at all to blame. He's doing everything he can to get this Ukrainian war stopped by feeding money and uh, military equipment to Ukraine. He's doing as much as he can given the circumstances. And now the Russians, of course, are saying, you know, we could end up getting into World War III. We're probably more likely to get into World War III than have this Ukrainian war stop. Well, you have to understand what's going on there. That's, again, the bully, um, the bully bullshit. There's not going to be a nuclear war, because nobody survives a nuclear war, including Russia. Let's take, for example, say Russia sends off some uh, smaller nukes into Europe. The prevailing winds push east. So that means if they bomb Germany or Poland or whatever, this is going to cause some radiation. That radiation will be blown across Russia. They're going to be killing themselves. Not to mention the fact that if they start setting off nuclear bombs, some other people might be sending some their way. Once that starts, it's impossible to stop. And even if you do stop it, what's left over will be unimaginable. So you're not going to see a nuclear war. Nobody's that stupid. And even if Vladimir Putin is that crazy, he will be stopped before that ever occurs. Now, the last thing I want to talk about um, is something I don't want to talk about. (laughs) But I have to because it's such a huge news thing these days. Of course, I'm talking about the trial between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. The reason I bring this up is because something I realized as I was watching it. Now, I don't sit and watch the trial But if you're on TikTok, on TV, on the Internet, or whatever, you're going to see these clips. 
And these clips are kind of compelling. You know, it's like a soap opera or Yellowstone. It sucks you in and you want to watch what's going on. Now, we know that Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard for defamation of character because she claimed that Depp had physically assaulted her multiple times. He claims it never happens. All of his witnesses say the same. It never happened. Now, these lawyers are trying to get Johnny all worked up, get him mad to show everybody his anger. But uh, Johnny ain't fucking budging. He's calm, cool, collected, a little sarcastic. Now, what this has done to Johnny Depp's career, it's damaged it immensely. And it's damaged his image. In fact, he hasn't gotten a role in five years. Can you imagine if he never did what Amber Heard said he did, and he's losing work and we're missing out from his movies? That's pretty pretty horrific for Amber Heard to do. Now, of course, um, Amber Heard is countersuing Johnny Depp for what? I have no fucking clue. I don't know what she's suing him for. Now, we're seeing clips of the case all over the place, and people are really getting sucked in just like me. It seems people are taking sides And it's pretty one-sided at this point. It seems people are in agreement that Amber Heard is a crazy bitch and a liar. And Johnny is a good guy and was abused by Amber Heard. Regardless how this trial ends up, this is what I see. No matter who wins this case, Johnny Depp is doing his career wonders. No matter how this ends, Amber Heard's image is shot and her career is over. Johnny's image, on the other hand, is after five years of doing nothing and having looked like this bad guy, his image is being revitalized. You see it on TikTok. You see it all over the place, how people love Johnny Depp and he seems like a good guy. He seems like a gentle guy. That's at least the impression you're getting from the trial. I presume that's true, but who really knows? And his career, I'm guessing his career is going to get bigger than ever. He's got these weeks and weeks on television, on the internet, showing what he's doing. A little sarcastic, a little funny. He's, uh, he's really revitalized his image, and people are going to be clamoring to put him in movies because now all of a sudden he's popular in this country. It really seems kind of, kind of ironic, doesn't it? And it's a perfect illustration of karma. Amber Heard's goal was to destroy Donny, John, uh, Johnny Depp's career. And she did for a time. But in the end result, she's going to ruin her own career and probably give Johnny Depp new life. That is a perfect illustration of karma. I feel guilty every time I watch those clips, but I do. I've probably seen every one of them. All you have to do is go on TikTok, and they're one right after the other. And if there's one I haven't seen, I feel compelled to watch it. And I'm trying to read the scenario or the scene here. I'm trying to read Johnny Depp, and I'm trying to read Amber Heard. And my read, she's fucking crazy. She's abusive, and she's doing whatever she can to 
uh, blackmail or coerce Johnny Depp into getting more money from him. This girl has a lot of problems. She's had other issues where violence has been involved. She has a lot of emotional problems, and she should probably see somebody about that and try to fix that situation. Now, on the other side of the coin, Johnny Depp is a little weird compared to all of us, but he doesn't seem like he's a mean or vicious guy. Now, they showed the scene where he was slamming cupboards and uh, slamming cups down and stuff, and people are saying, oh, see, he's violent. Well, he made a good point. You watch that scene, and not once did he approach Amber Heard and try to hurt her. Now, when you're going through some of the things we're hearing now that Johnny Depp is going through, for any one of us, <laughs> the least you could expect is we'd slam some coverage or break some fucking glasses. It's frustrating. He didn't feel like he could do anything, so he's getting frustrated. Anyway, <laughs> I hate to sit and talk about this, but it's such a big story, and everybody has their opinions on it. But in the end, the media will control this whole thing. It's what you see and what you feel after what you see. And at this point, Johnny Depp is winning. Whether he's winning the court case or not, it doesn't matter. He's winning the, the public opinion of this country. And Amber Heard, well, she's fucking losing. For, quite frankly, she's losing. It'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. If Johnny Depp wins, it's just that much worse for Amber Heard and that much better for Johnny Depp. He will be able to go back to those people that wouldn't hire him for five years and say, see, you fucked up. How much money did you lose by not using me? I mean, like the Pirates of Caribbean, they aren't putting him in that show. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if Johnny Depp's not in the Pirates of Caribbean, that's not the fucking pirate show. That's not what everybody likes. So why even do the fucking movie? I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I'm ashamed to even be talking about it, but I talk about a lot of shit I probably shouldn't talk about, so fuck it. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you immensely for taking the time out of your life to sit and listen to me talk. My God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you have a great day. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.